Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. When it comes to picking the perfect treats for your dog, Stuart makes the choice easy by keeping it real. Real ingredients, real nutrients, real benefits. Stuart dog treats are free from additives, corn, soy, wheat, and grains. Plus, they're freeze-dried to lock in all the great nutrition and natural flavor your furry friend deserves. Stuart freeze-dried dog treats. Big, tail-wagging nutritional benefits. Available on Amazon.com today. Control room, you ready in there? Love it. I love just love saying control room. I feel like I'm at something like really important. <laughs> that is Texas dad, Luke Combs. Congratulations to Luke and his wife, Nicole. They became first-time parents on Father's Day. I'm Amber Anderson. Welcome to a new episode of Country Heat Weekly. I'm Kelly Sutton, and Luke is our center stage guest this week on the podcast. Now, full disclosure, this episode was taped two and a half months ago. He got all the album press done and out of the way, just in case that baby came early. That way, he would be good to go. (laughs) This conversation with Luke, y'all, you are not ready. (laughs) He had us in stitches. Now, I've heard Luke do a bunch of interviews, press conferences. I've even heard him host his own radio show, but I have never heard him let loose like he did in our studio. He was on fire that day, y'all. We are going to need all of the bootleggers to hear this. And just for clarification, bootleggers is the name of Luke's fan club. Right. We don't want you to get the wrong idea. (laughs) (laughs) And we're counting on you guys to spread the word and make sure Luke's fans far and wide know about this episode. So post a link on all of your social media channels and use the hashtag Country Heat Weekly. There are a couple of items of business to get taken care of before we get to our center stage chat, though. As we wrap up Black Music Month, we're going to dig into the playlist that accompanies Amazon Music's For Love and Country documentary in a special edition of our Heat Index. And we'll run down some of the big country music headlines of the last week and offer our commentary and insight in a segment we call What's Cooking." The other country music Luke leads off the news this week. Luke Bryan is extending his stay in Las Vegas. He's added six more shows to his Vegas residency in early December. That's really smart. It's going to coincide with the National Finals Rodeo, which is always a big time for country music in Sin City. Now, Luke will be our center stage guest on next week's season finale of Country Heat Weekly. It's the last interview we taped at CMA Fest, and we talked to him about Las Vegas. You know, they're in Las Vegas for a convention. They don't necessarily know anything about me. They just, they go sit in the seat and I can tell, you know, I can look at my country fans and tell, oh, well, then I can look at a fan and be like, that guy has no idea who the hell I am. 
So we talked last week about the Elvis movie. There's actually another film out with a country music connection. Yes. Joe Nichols made his big screen debut in a film called Murder at Yellowstone City. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Joe plays a guy named Colin, whose grandfather was a defender of the Alamo. It's a small part, but I hear he sings a little in the film. It's in select theaters, but also available on Amazon Prime Video. It must be a really small part because I went looking for reviews on his acting and I couldn't find him listed in any of the usual cast listings. But I have seen a picture of him on the set, so we know he's in there somewhere. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 22% on the tomato meter, but the audience score is 91%. So go in with low expectations and you might be pleasantly surprised. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, here's something cool. Amazon Music Artist to Watch, Raina Roberts, is going to camp. (laughs) Not summer camp. She's actually going to be a guest artist at the 2022 Grammy Camp. That happens the first week in August out in California. There are 81 high school students selected to go to this camp to help prepare them for a career in the music industry. Raina will bring so much energy. We know that. That's really going to be a fun time for those campers. Do you remember the movie Troop Beverly Hills? Yes. That's exactly (laughs) what I think of if Raina was camping. Okay, so speaking of the Grammys, we must discuss the arrival of Grammy trophies in Nashville last week. I was dying. (laughs) Okay, so the Grammy Awards are announced April 3rd, but really, the actual engraved awards are shipped to the artists later. Right. I mean, there's no way that they would be able to keep the winners secret if someone was ordering a bunch of engraved trophies and they would just be sitting around backstage. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? No. It would be all over Twitter before the stars even walked the red carpet. Anyway, (laughs) Carrie Underwood made a sweet post about hers arriving and how she was putting it next to her seven others. Nice little humble brag. And we got to see all of her trophies lined up on the shelf in her home. She said putting her with her sisters. Yes. It was so cute. But Brothers Osborne. Okay. (laughs) They got their trophies. They had their family and friends over and they started doing shots out of them. Yes, they did. Are we shocked though? Mm, Not really. (laughs) I did love the fact that it was tequila and the fact that their mom, Trish, was there and they made her do a shot. (laughs) She looked at the camera and said, I normally don't drink alcohol, which I have questions about. (laughs) But she said, because my boys won a Grammy, I'll make an exception. I'm here for it. Me too. It's like, that's so fun. What a memory. (laughs) They're making memories. I love it. Absolutely. Well, also last weekend was Nashville Pride, and we got to see TJ as one of the Grand Marshals, standing up in this open-top Jeep, wearing his cowboy hat, just shining like the star that he is. He looks so great. And if you haven't listened to TJ's episode of Country Heat Weekly, you can scroll back to the first week of June and hear him talk about both his Grammy win and being Grand Marshal when he was here. TJ, if you're listening, we're reaching out about getting your mom in for an episode of Family Tree ASAP. Oh, speaking of family, we have to say congrats to Scotty McCreary and his wife, Gabby. They are expecting their first baby in November. We love country music babies. Okay, we're going to do something special with our heat index today. Normally, this is where we dig into the country heat playlist on Amazon Music, but this episode drops on the last day of June, which is also Black Music Month. Fun fact, President Carter declared June as African American Music History Month in 1979, and then President Obama gave it the current name of Black Music Month in 2009 to update the language and reflect the fact that this music is making a huge impact. It's not just history, it's now. And... 
it's being heard on the playlist we're going to discuss. So in celebration of all of that, we are going to dig into the For Love and Country playlist, a playlist that accompanies the Amazon original documentary of the same name, which explores the importance of Black artists in the country genre. Now, we've talked quite a bit on the pod about this film and how important it is. And this playlist provides the opportunity to dig into the music of the artists in the film and their contemporaries a little bit more. Now, I believe you just saw one of those contemporaries perform... Madeline Edwards? Yes, I did. She released her brand new EP this past week. I have been waiting for it ever since I heard her sing for the very first time. I have been such a fan, and the EP does not disappoint. So she played this very small venue here in Nashville we have called The Basement. Mm -hmm. So it's a very intimate room, and she had this incredible band. And she actually opened with one of the songs that's on the playlist called Hold My Horses. And it's a rockin' song. But she is such a big voice, such big energy. And during the show, Wendy Moten came on stage and invited her to make her Grand Ole Opry debut. It made for this very magical moment. She was in tears. She was crying. We were all crying. It was a moment. And I think it'll be unforgettable for a really long time. So hopefully you're hosting that night. I was going to say, what's the date? I'm going to request it. <laughs> I think it's August 13th. Okay, I'm going to put in my request now. Of course, Mickey Guyton is on there bringing some powerful lyrics. There's an Amazon original of If I Were a Boy on the playlist. Highly recommend it. You have to listen to it. And her song, Black Like Me, is also included. If you think we live in the land of the free, you should try to be are several Amazon original performances on the playlist, including Britney Spencer's cover of Independence Day and Amethyst Kia's Black Myself. Cause I'm black myself and I'm surrounded by many loving arms cause I'm black myself. So the duo Jimmy Allen is working with called Neon Union contributes a song on here as well. Now, do you remember way back on episode three when Jimmy did the podcast with us and he told us about them? The first act I've signed, a guy named Leo. He's uh, some just a little redneck dude from Florida. He's been Pitbull's bass player and MD for the last seven, eight years. I put him with this guy named Andrew from Carolina who I met on an uh, elevator. I was like, man, there's never been a black and white duo in country music. So it's like you have to do something that's different to at least get people's attention first. Mm -hmm. So they met and they clicked right away. So yeah, check out Neon Union. They're good dudes. They work hard. They make great music. Yep, yep, that's crazy. And now, they're here. We're gonna have a party. Come on, come on, get it started. The whole downtown's invited. So beer up, party down, bring it on. Jimmy, of course, is in the mix with music from his new album, Tulip Drive, as well as friends of the pod, Willie Jones, Raina Roberts, and Breland. Find the For Love and Country playlist on Amazon Music and the For Love and Country documentary on Amazon Prime Video. As we go to break, we're going to read you a quote from one of the artists on the Country Heat playlist. And it's your job, listening at home, to try and figure out who said that. This week's quote is, I'm so glad people are letting me do both. It's pretty cool. I feel like one of the cool kids. Hmm. Both. Like country and pop? Or music and acting? Keep listening. We'll tell you when Country Heat Weekly returns. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Okay, it's time to tell you who said that. From CMA Fest to Bonnaroo, I'm so glad that like people are letting me do both. You would think with an accent like this <laughs> that people would be like, she at CMA Fest and that's it. But it's pretty cool. I mean, like, I feel like one of the cool kids, I guess you could say. Lady Wilson. Oh, I mean, she has a point with that accent, but I bet the Bonnaroo crowd just loved her. It's time to shine our center stage spotlight on the reigning CMA Entertainer of the Year, new dad, and all-around jokester, Luke Combs. We had so much fun with Luke. I mean, I feel like I can't even say his name without laughing. My side still hurts. Mine too. Since we recorded this interview, his song, Doing This, became his 13th consecutive number one song. And he's released The Love We Make as the follow-up single. Let's get some candles burning in some red. So a little behind the scenes tea, we also record our interviews on video for the Amazon Music YouTube channel, which means we have to remove any sort of product placement from the shot. And Luke was drinking a sparkling lemon water, which we had already discussed was not lemony enough for his taste. Right. And so the control room asked him to move the can off of our table. Let him get another swig to almost taste some lemon. Mmm, delicious. Brought to you by... We need a sponsor, friends. I think it might be Amazon, maybe. this one. Good, good point. <laughs> Where's Bezos? Get him in here. And then the interview could officially begin. We are here with Luke Combs. Yeah. How you doing, man? I'm good. How about yourself? Doing good. Good? Can't complain. You got a lot going on. I, I'm decently busy, sure. <laughs> sure, at times. We say decently busy. At I'm times. looking at you and I'm like, you, you got to be getting close to max capacity, right? Maybe? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Here's okay. the deal. Here's We're the ready. thing. It's like, there's a lot. It's like, I either am working a lot or not at all, though. And it's almost like per day thing. Yeah. Okay. Like, today, I'm doing stuff all day. Mm-hmm. But, like, tomorrow, I might not do anything. So, you got to take it day by day. Yeah. I guess I've hit the different, I don't know, like, once you get out of the new artist thing, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it becomes a little more manageable, honestly, because right. it's like, I don't know, it's like, the, you've heard of, like, the power of no, right? Yes. Which is like... No, I I don't want to do that thing. So I'm not going to because it doesn't add any value or make me happy at all. So I just don't say yes to a lot of stuff. Do you remember when that was the first time, like when that switch happened? Yeah. I mean, it probably started more with like shows. You know, at some point you get so many show offers that like you can't even do them all sometimes. There's just too many. You know, it keeps you like, 
excited about what you're doing because you're not like burnt out on it all the time. Like that new artist phase is burnout. We hear that a lot. It's hard, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, that's really hard. Well, now we have a brand new album to talk about. We do, yes. We do, <laughs> we do. So exciting. Title of the album is Growing Up, mm-hmm. which could have a ton of different meanings. So sure. tell us what that means to you. Yeah, I just think kind of kind of in this like transitional phase a little bit. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm 32. I'm, you know, on absolute midnight hour of about to be a dad, you know, like very, very, very soon. Um, and so it's just interesting because a lot of times you feel like, you know, the college kid that started playing music. And then sometimes you feel like, you know, the married dad guy who's like at home, you know? So it's like interesting getting used to those two different things. And I've always wanted to, you know, no pun intended, grow up with my fan base, you know, which is, you know, I want them to be able to feel like, oh man, like been there or, you know, I felt that kind of deal before, you know what I mean? It's like, I want to continue to become better as a, you know, artist, songwriter, producer, but I want that to translate into, you know, what people hear. It's a fun, it's been fun for me to get to do. So that's was kind of the idea is just continuing to, to grow, I think. Okay. Can I give you my conspiracy theory of your sure. album? Sure. This is my conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. And this is only Perfect. mine. My opinions are all my own. They do not represent Amazon or anyone affiliated with their four. Yes. Um, I saw the artwork mm-hmm. for Growing Up. Yep. The song is actually Growing Up, Getting Old. Mm-hmm. The artwork shows half your face it does. with Growing Up mm-hmm. on the ball cap. Sure. Is this going to be a double album and Growing Old is going to be the second part I of the album? I don't know. There's no way of knowing. I, if There's it no isn't. way of knowing. It is such a, I'm looking at it going, oh, it's going to be a double album. It has to be a double album because the name of the song. Because what if you just like came up with a really great idea that I never thought of and then I was like, man, I should have done that. Well, then you know? did I give it to you for free? Thank you. Go and make, and make your art, friend. We yeah. have this whole thing of like, you heard it here first. You heard yes. it here first. Yes. Listen, we know you're not afraid of a deluxe edition. And I'm sure. just looking at it, I'm like, sure. oh my gosh, this looks amazing. And it would be so great It'd if the other half. for a deluxe, right. Come on now. Primed. All right. Maybe, maybe you just talked me into it. I'm loving this right now. Okay, so like a lot of other artists who made an album, during a pandemic, mm-hmm. this process was obviously different. Mm-hmm. Can you take us through how this album developed over the last two and a half years? Oh, yes. Yeah. Show comes to mind. <laughs> Excellent. You know, I don't know if I can uh-huh. say that or not. I, we got some laughing in the control right. room there. <laughs> um, no, I, to be honest with you, it was pretty chaotic, really. It was like... You know, it's not when the pandemic started, you know, it was like two weeks to flatten the curve. And you're like, oh, cool, it's two weeks. That's cool. We can do two weeks. You know, like I can just, you know, eat Chef Bardee for two weeks, mm-hmm. which I do already, kind of, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we don't have a sponsor. That's what maybe, we don't have a sponsor. Maybe we just picked up a Chef, <laughs> Chef Bardee spot. I don't know. I can eat um, SpaghettiOs. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so when that happened, it was like, to be honest with you, how I felt about it, when the pandemic happened, I was like, I've been cut down in my prime. That's the way I felt about it. Like, I'm doing these three stadium shows this summer, and those were supposed to happen a year ago. And yeah. my tour that happened in the fall was supposed to happen, you know, two falls ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, I had all this, like, monumental steam moving forward in, like, my thing. And it was like, somebody just pulled the e-brake on it. And it was like, now you've got to continue to somehow keep this momentum for two years of, like, nothing. There's nothing to do. 
I didn't even think about that. You can't get in the studio, really. At the beginning, you couldn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, we did Six Feet Apart in April. It's a mystery, I suppose. Just how all this thing goes. But there'll be crowds and there'll be shows. I think it was the first song recorded in Nashville in like once it closed, yeah. I mean, it was like weird. Mm-hmm. When we went in, it was like everyone's like mask. I was never even in the same room as the musicians. You know, there's like plastic around us and everything. It was like just really strange way to make music. You know, it made it really hard to like lock into this thing because by the second session that we go in to cut these songs, it's like okay, well, this album needs to come out in fall of. 21. Well, I've got a 50 date 360 arena tour that sold out that people have been waiting to see for two years now. They bought these tickets two years ago. Now I got to go do that thing because now all of a sudden we can tour now. And so then it was like, now I have to try to make this album during the biggest tour we've ever done that's been on hold for two years during the pandemic. And no one on my whole crew has ever done a 360 thing ever. Like the crew was underneath the stage and like, it was insanity. And so I was just like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing the album because it's going to suck because I'm not going to be able to think about it. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't. We, I was just like, I'm not doing it. I'll just do it at just in, later. You know what though? You know? You just, you nailed it because it was the power of no, because you knew yeah. that your product and what you're known for was going to yeah, suffer. it's too important. The tour would have suffered and the album would have right, suffered. Right, yeah, right. So then you have a sucky tour and a sucky album. Good for you yeah. for knowing yeah. that. I was going to say. I mean, Man, like, it takes people years to figure that out. And the fact that you're doing that this early yeah. in your career, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. And, and I will say too, I think the, the beauty in it is that, yes, those people bought the tickets two years prior. That's a testament to the music that you're making. That mm-hmm. it, it it is still, yeah. I yeah. mean, <laughs> yeah. it's still two years later, the thing that everybody wants to take in at these shows. Yeah. So that's, I think that's a huge testament to you too. It was worrisome though. I mean, that tour was so hard because it was just like, no, there was just nobody to call. Who do you call? Mm-hmm. Who do you go, hey man, when you toured in a pandemic. <laughs> right. And exactly. it was like in arenas and, you know, I remember the first night and we had done a few summer festival things, you know, seven or eight shows, big summer festival deals that were cool. And it was like outside and they were having, you know, regulations backstage and all this stuff. And when it got to our tour, it was like, okay, well now we're kind of in control. But one, you're at the mercy of every town that you're in, not to mention the state in the venue. Mm-hmm. So there's three sets of regulations every night that changes every day because you're going to a different state every day. And I remember sitting in Raleigh the first night of the thing and I was just like, is anyone even going to be here? Oh, wow. Is anyone, I mean, they, yeah. they bought these tickets two years ago. Did they even know they have the tickets anymore? Right. And then it's like, not to mention they've got to show proof of vaccination or do a test or, you know, how many people, when I walk out there, in the middle of the arena with no, there's no backstage. It's like you walk out and there's nowhere to go. You're just on a seven foot tall guitar pick in the middle of 20,000 people. What if I go out there and there's a thousand people out there? I don't know. There's no way of knowing. 
that was super stressful. The whole tour was like that because it was like some cities are this, some places are this. Well, this show may not happen because of the cases or so now there's the Delta variant. And it was mm-hmm. like, people were calling me because we were like probably the first act to go out. I mean, first two or three to go out and do anything, especially inside right. in a huge capacity. There was people calling me that I'm like, what are you, why are you asking me? I don't know. Yeah. I look up to you. <laughs> what do you think? What are we doing here? Like, I don't know. And so it was weird because you're like, I guess it that harkens back to the growing up thing. It's like, you realize like, oh shit, man, like I'm not a kid anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is all you. So most of the album written by a small core group of writers. Do you typically keep your circle really small? I do. And I don't know particularly why. Maybe it's like a comfortability thing. Like I don't have to do the awkward first date. Like, (laughs) so do you like, we're not going to talk about politics, right? You know, like kind of thing. Like it's like the whole first hour, two hours is like, yeah, yeah. So as you drive a truck, that's cool. And do you like to hunt or what? You know, it's like, I don't care about that stuff. You know, it's like, I mean, I got, you know, the guys that I write with now, it's like, we all know each other. We know each other a long time. I dig what they do. You know, they, you know, at least pretend to like what I do, you know. And so it's, you know, it's just easier that way. Right. There might be three writers on this album that have really never had a cut with me. Is Miranda one of them? Miranda's one of them, yeah. for sure. That song. Tell us about Outrun like in Your one. Memory, because it is it's so, so good. good. I like that one, yeah. <laughs> Through the years, I guess, it was just kind of like, you know, you tell people, oh, we should write. But it's one of those things you're like, man, everybody's so busy. The pandemic kind of changed the game on that. So then it's down to like, there ain't no excuse if you don't want to write with somebody, you kind of just got to tell them you don't want to write with them. Because there's no like, Mm -hmm. sorry, dude, I got a thing. (laughs) It's like, like, no, you don't. You don't have a thing. There is no thing. There's nothing. (laughs) So I guess the pandemic kind of opened up that channel of like, you know, maybe I should write with whoever, you know? And so I think we had texted about that and it was like, so we picked a day and we wrote at her manager's office. Now, did you know that this song was for you? No, there was no, that's the thing is there was no conversation of like, hey, let's write a song for your album or your album or mine or whatever. It was just like, let's write the best song that's in the room. And that was what we did. You know, there was no like, we should do a duet. That wasn't even discussed at all. And so she ended up singing BGVs on the whole song. For everyone out there, that's background vocals. Yes, background vocals. And then that was it. So went on with our lives. A month or two goes by. I listened to it 8 million times in my mm-hmm, car mm-hmm. because I'm like pigging through the fine tooth comb, you know. And I was like, this is not right. Like, I'm not going to have a featuring Miranda Lambert song on my album and like have her doing BGVs. Like, she's too good. The mm-hmm. song's too good. It's a disservice to the song. So, you know, I was like, and I'm always so, I don't know, like uncomfortable asking people for stuff, like especially other artist people, because like sometimes I'm in a situation where like, let's say we're hanging out and like, let's say you're the biggest artist in the world, right? And we're talking and we're hanging and it's cool. We're hanging. And then like you slip in like, hey, you should do this thing. And you're kind of like, 
No, yeah. don't ask. Why did you? We were having so much fun, and then you, you asked for this it. thing. You ruined it. You ruined, you ruined it. our time. Yeah, it's like, but it's just I don't know. Like to me, it yeah. always makes me kind of like feel like I have to say yes because yeah. it's like another artist, and I don't want to make them think that. But like our time is so precious, at least for me. You know, like, it's such a razor-thin edge that I ride of, like, insanity and, like, happiness of, like, doing this for a job and stuff. So I always am, like, overly cautious just because of my own experiences with asking anyone to do anything that requires their time or something that makes them feel pressured because I'm asking kind of thing. So I was like, hey, like... (laughs) Sorry to like ask, but like, do you think you could come sing on this again, even though you already did it once? Like, sorry, kind of thing. And she agreed to do it, and I'm and I'm very thankful for that because I think it 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 makes the song. You know, I mean, it's just it wouldn't be the same without her doing I the mean, second verse and stuff. It just wouldn't a be the same. Killer song. Well, thanks. We, I, I, we had a lot of fun writing it. It was great. So what about the guy that pulled his Dodge Neon into a bus parking lot that came here with a dream? What, what what do you think he's thinking right now if you go back and you think about where you were when you first got here and now you've got these amazing, great oh, stories man. and songs? It was, it was Chris Young, beside Chris Young's bus, is whose bus I was parked beside. Really? Yeah, they had saved me a bus spot, which was sweet of them to Precious. do. Yeah, and I pulled up with Rob Wilford, who's a co-writer of mine and is in my bands to, still to this day. We pulled up two acoustic guitars and the neon, like, stacked in the back seat. It's, like, the only thing it fits in the yeah. back seat. It's, like, two guitars is, like, the max you can fit in I still want a neon so bad. Why? I, I had Why just that, My cousin drove one. I thought she was so cool. I mean, she is cool. I would like a Dodge Neon, please. <laughs> and your folks were like, yes, that is a really nice car. We can handle yes. it. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't believe we would buy you a car that expensive and nice. I mean, he'd be psyched for sure. You know what I mean? I mean, be psyched to know he wasn't driving a a Dodge Neon anymore. He would be very excited about that because it would smoke when I was like, if I was stopped. So the drive through at any restaurant was like, you're one of those things where you're like, like where you know people are looking at you and you're like, Like, I'm already look like Donkey Kong in Mario Kart driving this thing because I'm 300 pounds in the damn micro machines car at the Taco Bell. And then everyone's like, ha, fat dude at the Taco Bell, huh? Not of course, you know? And it's like the car smoking and the Taco Bell guy's like, bro, are you good? Is your car going to blow up? And it's like, no, it's good. I'm just really poor. It's fine. Like, it's okay. I promise I'm cool. Oh you know, I would still walk here if I have a car, you know. And So was the success overwhelming for you at all? Absolutely. I mean, massively overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, it was like, I'm killing it. Like, I'm good at this. Like, mm-hmm. I know I'm good at it. I had, like, such a Jordan mentality, mm-hmm. like Brady, Tiger Woods mentality of, like, coming in and going, I'm a killer. I've got killer songs. i got a killer voice. Put me on stage with Adele. I'm a better singer than Adele. That's And it's not true, but that's the mindset of, like, you have to think and believe fully in your head that you are the best son of a bitch. 
to ever step on stage. And I believe that when I step on stage. I do believe that. That's and awesome. I may not be, but and I, probably not. But you have to have that attitude to like, to lock into that thing. Mm-hmm. You have to approach it. I approach it with that mentality of like, I'm a killer when I go out there. Like I am ready to, I will open for anybody and they will not want to play after I'm done. It's like, I've always been that way. You need to do like hype videos. Yes, yes. You do us a hype video. So like before we record every week. Yeah, killer, killer. Yes. (laughs) But that's the mindset that I think you have to have to to get to any level. And it's not an arrogance thing or like a cockiness thing. It's really not. Okay, I know we're almost out of time, but we have a couple of burning questions we need to get to the bottom of before you leave. So what's the first concert you remember going to? Vince Gill. How old were you? Six. 1996. Charlotte Knights Minor League Baseball Stadium is where it was. Nice. My grandma and my mom took me, and it was my birthday present. And so they wanted to, like, surprise me because Vince Gill was my favorite. Like, I would Uh. sing. That's how I learned to sing was, like, singing Vince songs, you know. And so they surprised me, and we pulled up, and we were at a Vince concert. And we left early because I started crying when it thundered. So that was sad. (laughs) Good show. Okay. Great show. show. I was just really scared of Thunder, Vince. Sorry. So where do you keep your Entertainer of the Year trophy? In my writing room. Here's the thing about it is, let's say we're in in a Mm co-write, and we're in my writing room, and I have an idea that I'm super into, right? And you're like, I think that's wrong. I just go. (laughs) (laughs) That's so perfect. Right. I say, when you point to yours, I'll cave. Which is why I don't write with Eric Church or anyone that has more entertaining than your trophies than me. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, I do have them, in, I have them all in one place. Like, we have... So I have like a ma- like man cave thing. It's like a, a pole barn that was on my property when, I, when we bought it. And it's like all my plaques and all that. It's like, we don't have any of that stuff in our house. The The writing room is upstairs in our house, and it's like nobody really ever goes in there yeah. except for if we use it. And a lot of times we'll write in the man cave, honestly, because it's like ping pong and golden tea. Yeah. And like, you <laughs> it's know, a vibe. It's cool. It's like a fun spot, you know? It's like taxidermy <laughs> everywhere and stuff. And But like, we'll go in the writing room, and it's like, that's the only stuff of, like, my career that we have in the house. I just don't want our house to be, like, a weird, yeah. like, yeah. shrine to, like, me or, like— Listen, especially with a baby coming around, he doesn't need to be picking up Entertainer of the Year trophies and throwing them all over yeah. the place. Yeah. So it's it's a good yeah. point. It is pretty heavy, though. That is. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It is. Well, congratulations on the first half of the double album Thank growing you. up. Thank you heard you. it here first. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there for everybody. Man, we love hanging with you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for for coming, Luke. Great. Okay, one look down, one to go. Next week, we wrap up our first season of Country Heat Weekly by rediscovering Elvis's country career and chatting with Luke Bryan. Here's a sneak peek. I'm in a very uh, heated cycling competition with Dirks Bentley. Oh, I've heard about this. And it's a little confusing because we have to wear the spandex. And you guys have don't don't you have matching matching spandex? We we've done matching. Yeah. But the problem with racing Dirks on a bicycle is Dirks is very aerodynamic. <laughs> He's very thin. 
So Dirks just tucks in behind me. And, He's and, drafting off of yeah, it. He drafts the whole damn way. <laughs> Y'all packed the house at CMA Fest. We recorded this on the CMA close-up stage and talked to Luke about his history with the festival, his Vegas residency, farm tour, his Raised Up Right tour. I think you also got us an invitation to Crash My Playa, too, didn't you? Hey, I try my best. You know that. <laughs> oh, and speaking of CMA Fest, we need to give a shout out to Jim, who sent us a DM this week. He wrote in to say he discovered us during CMA Fest at the close-up stage, and he's been binging past episodes of the podcast to get all caught up. And you can write to us, too. We're on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Hey, it's Amber A. I'm the Kelly Sutton. Make sure you use the hashtag Country Heat Weekly. <laughs> So, as you heard earlier, we asked Luke Combs about his first concert and got that great story about leaving a Vince Gill show early. So, we thought we'd check in with a few other acts about their first concert for this week's Burning Question. We got some pretty straightforward answers from Jordan Davis, Mackenzie Porter, and TJ Osborne. Tom Williams. Dixie Chicks. George Strait. But then, there was Russell Dickerson. <sighs> okay, Hanson, let me tell you the story. Yeah! Let me tell you the story. So, we had just moved to Nashville. My cousin came to town with all her cute friends. And like, we came from like a small town where there ain't no concerts there. So literally this was like a month or two after we moved, after we moved. Came with all her friends and I was like, yo, these girls are cute. And they were going to the Hanson concert. I was like, I'm going to. And so I strung along with them just to hang out with a couple cute girls and listen to Mbop. Mbop, bop, bop, Can't go wrong with Hanson. Country Heat Weekly is a collaborative production between Amazon Music and Nevermind Media. Executive producer is Melissa Locker. Senior producer is Joyce Reiser. Recording engineer, Aaron Dethridge. Sound design by Tim Einenkel. Production assistance from Annie Reuter, Debbie Daughtry, Madeline O'Connell, and Jeremy Chua. Our theme song, Country Time, was written and performed by Mia Byrne, with additional music from Madeline McCormack. The Amazon Music team includes Nathan Brackett, Emily Cohen, Chris Graham, Michelle Kammerer, Eliza Mills, Morgan Jones, and Raymond Roker. Development consultant, Michelle Dix. Additional production support from Marley, Steve, Grace, Winnie, Moses, Wicket, Abby, Jake, Osmo, JoJo, and all the other very good dogs out there. Be sure to follow Country Heat Weekly on Amazon Music or wherever you listen to podcasts so you get the latest episodes just as soon as they drop. Want to listen in as we were setting up for the Luke Combs interview? Of course they do, Kelly. <laughs> we were chatting with Luke about his schedule and what kinds of things he and his wife, Nicole, like to do together. Which is when I discovered she's a Floridian like me. She likes to yeah. fish, so we yeah. do that together. So okay. Like we do have a thing that, that you do together. I like to do that she also likes to do, and it's like, oh, Did we she both... always like to fish, or wh yeah. was that a... Yeah. Okay. She's, yeah, she, I mean, she grew up in southeast Florida, so... Oh, where? I'm from Florida, too. Um, she's from Singer Island. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Which is like, they call it the poor island. <laughs> It's like the island beside Palm Beach. You know, all the Palm Beach people are like, oh, yeah. you're from the poor island. Palm Beach adjacent. Palm Beach adjacent. That's yeah. what Correct. it is. Correct. Yay. I didn't know she was Floridian. Yeah. Yay, Florida. I'm from Fort Walton Beach. Okay. And people are like, oh, Palm Beach. And I'm like, no, no. Different place. They don't <laughs> very, very far away. And too. I never understood until my most recent trip. I mean, the two, three weeks ago. Mm, yeah. How different it was. Okay. It's like, very different. Pa right? Like West Palm Beach. Uh-huh. Very different. And anywhere that's not West Palm Beach. Correct. Like, over the bridge, mm -hmm. like, a very short bridge, 
way different. Very different. We're talking Kennedys <laughs> and the home. Whatever that is. It's different. And you where, know what I mean? And it, where did you feel most comfortable? Oh, where my wife lives. Mm-hmm. It's like normal. Mm-hmm. There's normal people that live mm-hmm. there. Right. right. Palm Beach is like a postcard. It's right. like Right. But like definitely very uh, one of those postcards where there's like a lot of fucked up shit going on just outside of the postcard. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's like to be a fly on the wall in the Country Heat Weekly Studios. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Rhea Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.